It's good to be with you here, and uh, it's good to be worshiping with you. We are in a series now. We've launched the new ministry year, as Mitch said, and we are uh, in the second week of a series called Hear the Call. Hear the Call. And so we're walking through uh, Ephesians chapters 4 through 6. And uh, so don't forget now, Ephesians 1 through 3, we went through that last year, right? Ephesians 1 through 3 was the launch to last year's ministry, And uh, as we walked through it, we learned the theology behind who I am in Christ. And uh, that's chapters one through three. Who am I with my God? What has he done for me? What does that mean about me? What do I have in him? Chapters one through three is that. And if you want to get through those chapters, feel free to go back and listen to that series called Who Am I? And uh, we're capturing there the truth that God shares from his word about who we are in him. And a huge theology. And then we turn a corner into chapter 4 where it becomes the application, the applying of that theology into our lives. A calling to be something for our God in thanks. Because of all of 1 through 3, Lord, here's how I'm thanking you. Chapters 4 through 5, 4 through 6. So as we walk through this, here's our goal. Hear the call. Hear the call each week to a unique facet of your life needing to be addressed and shaped that God might get the glory. Hear the call. And last week we were talking about the call to unity and a oneness, making much of our God who is one by being a body that is one. And oneness was last week. This week is a call to holiness, a call to holiness. And so turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. uh, How should we go about in a response of holiness to honor our God? Uh, First point here, do not walk like the world does, going only after what feels good. Do not walk like the world does, going only after what feels good, Okay. So here we go, starting in verse 17. Paul writes, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. He starts out in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 here. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Like, hey, just so you know, here's my position. I'm making it clear in the Lord. Always about Jesus Christ. Right? It's not like Paul's saying, now, this I say and testify because I'm an awesome guy. Right? It's not that. Everybody say, not that. No, dude, this is in the Lord. Holy Spirit moving on Paul, and he's writing down what he's thinking. Now, this I say and testify. I am taking a stand on this truth. What truth? That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So let's just break a few words down there. Uh, must. This is a responsibility. It's a requirement. It's a calling. It's the, hear the call now. We must no longer. This is our chance to say thanks to God with everything we've got. Lord, help me get after this. No longer walk. We talked about that word walk last week, right? It speaks to purpose. It speaks to intentionality. It speaks to more than that. It speaks to the actions you're about. So your purpose and your actions throughout every day, they should not model, it says, the Gentiles. And uh, that literally means those who aren't trusting in Christ. 
the nations who are separated from Christ and don't want to hear from him, the people who don't want to hear from him. And uh, that's what Gentile means. It means unsaved. Everybody just say unsaved. And uh, he's like, hey, don't walk like the unsaved. The people who don't know Jesus Christ, who aren't trusting him as Savior, they're not grasping his greatness. Make sure your life doesn't model their life. They're wandering around trying to figure out what it's about. You've met the king of the universe. Make sure your life shows that. And uh, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And uh, without Jesus, there is a value problem. Did you know that? Without Jesus in your life, there is a value problem. There's a priority problem. There's going to be an understanding of this world problem. And that's the futility of their mind. On their own, trying to figure out the way it should be, it's futile. There's really no hope in getting it right. That's what he's saying. How can you possibly get this thing square when you don't know the king of the universe and you're not trusting in him? And uh, there's a massive problem in being separated from Jesus, a value problem, a purpose problem, and you're not coming up with the right answer apart from Christ. And all of God's people said, and uh, in the futility of their minds, and uh, how often the world wants to sell their solution as being the best solution possible. Note this, the word attached to it from Scripture is futile. And we need to grasp that, man. That means not a hope of working. Not a hope of working. Futile. They are darkened in their understanding. Darkened in their understanding. Picture a painting, and in the back corner of the painting, there's these really dark shadows, and you can almost not see what's going on. There's almost no detail whatsoever, and that's what he's talking about here. Darkened in their understanding. Their understanding is like the back corner of a room with shadows cast all over it. You can't possibly see the details. Darkened. And uh, note this, Jesus Christ is the light. And uh, where the light comes in, the darkness is pushed away and clarity comes. And the reason there's darkness is because there is not Christ, there is not the light. And they're going about it without him, darkened in their understanding. And uh, here comes a rough word, alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God. That word literally means set apart no connection with, on the outside of. It'd be like picture a house and there's a door closed and you're on the other side of the door on the outside. There's not a relationship connection there. This is a huge word. And uh, they're not listening to Christ and responding to him. They're not coming to salvation. Romans 10 is super clear on this. How are we saved? By believing and confessing. By believing that he is raised from the dead, by confessing him as Lord. Please note, we are not saved by doing nine really good actions in our life. By having the person next to us utterly convinced we're better than them. These are all bad plans for salvation. Everybody say it's a bad plan. Yeah. Scripture is super clear. Believe he is risen from the dead. Confess him as Lord that is saved. All right? You're in charge in my life, Christ. I'm handing it over to you. And for those who refuse to do that, alienated from the life of God. 
because of the ignorance that is in them. The ignorance. In fact, that word ignorance, literally it means because they are without knowledge. That's what it literally means, without knowledge. There is not a personal relationship of Jesus Christ, a fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God, as we read about last week, a fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God that's missing. And so without knowledge, well, that word translated across into the English here in the ESV is ignorance, but without understanding, without knowledge, they haven't grasped the greatness of Jesus Christ. And uh, without knowledge in them, due to the hardness of heart. And, and let's make sure we understand this. There is a declaring forth of the greatness of our God. And this declaring forth comes universally wide. There is this awesome declaration, even in creation. And we call this common grace. There is a declaration of the greatness of God. It is made available to all. There is a general understanding of the goodness and greatness of God. If you take a look at the depths of the detail and the passion and the blessing and the pouring on of God into this world. It is available to see. Here's the problem. Diagnosis of the problem is hardness of heart. You ain't going to see it that way. When I look at the world, I see an amazing miracle of explosion. And in the end, we've all somehow been derived from another animal. That's what I see. I don't see a God who's managing it all. I see luck, and I'm going to put it all there, and, uh, and I'm walking away from God. And be careful about the conclusions you come to that are nothing more than guesses. Can we just all be real? If we're going to talk about origins, you're starting to guess on things, and all of a sudden you're camping out like that's your hope. Be cautious if that's what's closing down your mind to the possibility of a God in charge of the universe. Hear me, scriptures are pretty clear. Our hardness of heart can tend to make us miss a universal expression of God's grace, a sharing of who he is. And don't miss your God because you're hard to hearing what he has to say. And uh, It says, due to their hardness of heart, they became callous. You know what that is, right? Like you use your fingers over and over and over to the point where it gets this rough, hard spot on it. And now you can't really even feel things. Like for those who play a guitar, you know what you're talking about, right? And the first few times you play the guitar, dude, that hurts, right? And you play for a few minutes and you get these lines cut into your fingers and it's painful. And a big part of learning to play the guitar is learning to tough through the pain a little bit. And being able to get used to those strings, and there's a point where you know you're ready. It's when you're pressing down on the strings, and it's not even making much of a line anymore, and you can barely feel it pressing on your fingers, a callus going on. And unfortunately, these guys have a callus going on here that has a practice of their hardness of heart, and they're not sensitive to the things of God being shared and the light being shared out, and they're missing out. And it says... Being callous, they have given themselves up to sensuality. They've given themselves up to what feels good, sensuality, and what feels good. It may be in the realm of sexuality. It may be in the realm of food or of drink or of pride and expression and having people think something of you, but somehow sensuality, what feels good, right? The giant bumper sticker in America that we all know well, right? If it feels good, do it, right? What a sad statement of life. 
It should say, if it feels good, check yourself. That may not be what you should be doing right now, right? That would be a much better bumper sticker. It's a little less cliche-ish, and it doesn't quite read well, and it probably wouldn't fit on a portion of your bumper, but it's the right words, right? And uh, the bottom line, be careful, man. If it feels good, check yourself. See if God is really leading in this. Does that make sense? Is this glorifying to him? What does he want done? Make sure the word of God is leading in your life. The Holy Spirit is directing in your life. And uh, in their hardness of heart, they've gone to a, if it feels good, do it plan. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Greedy, hungry to practice every kind of impurity. Longing to get into whatever will feel good. And, uh, and you might be in here today and you're sort of stuck on the feel-good plan. And uh, be careful with that. Be ready to set that down. That is walking in the way the Gentiles walk. Man, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's time to say it's more than just about what feels good. Lord, may you be glorified. And I'll tell you, this past seven, eight months, I've been kind of walking through a new workout plan and a new diet plan and going through some uh, eating changes and uh, when I shifted over to doing this uh, kind of a higher protein, lower carb thing, basically I'll translate that, uh, your desserts are gone. <laughs> that was painful, man. And I'm just telling you, those first couple of weeks, you're like, you're kind of, you're always a little bit hangry. You know what I'm talking about? You're just a bit angry and upset, and it kind of doesn't matter what else has gone on. I'm just going to be clear. I can't have my dessert, right? That's kind of where you're at. And those first couple of weeks, you have to wrestle through it. And I'm telling you, there's this constant hunger that keeps coming back for the things I was just eating. And I have this longing. My body was used to feeding on it. And my body is like, dude, where are the sugars you were feeding on? I was building off of that. We were building quite the body, too. <laughs> and uh, come on, man. What are we doing here, right? Here's the reality. Your body craves for what you've been feeding it. And as you begin to remove that, you'll feel it. And uh, be careful. Just because you're longing for something doesn't mean you should be having that. It could be something you need to be setting down. I'm telling you, three, four weeks in to this new plan, all of a sudden, I'm no longer craving those desserts. And like to a point where now, it's seriously not really that deep desire at all for like, I got to get a piece of a chocolate cake. And uh, that was a huge deal in February. And now it's kind of a, you know, it's nice if I can have it, but it's okay if not. I've got a very different style of eating going on, and my body is hungering for that. Now, how about us in our spiritual life? What are we feeding ourselves with? What are we practicing on? And if everything is in the feel-good stuff, I'm telling you it's going to take a season for you to get used to saying, yeah, maybe not today. We're not following the bumper sticker this time. And there's going to be a little bit of struggle that goes on as you're learning to set this down before your God and say, God, help me to feed on what's glorifying to you. And all of God's people said, I'm telling you, man, it'll hurt a little. It'll take a little bit. But God will be glorified and huge things will be going on in your life. And uh, if your measure is, yeah, it doesn't really feel good to me, that's a bad measure. Get ready to wrestle a little bit with setting down self and being able to pick up doing things for your king and for those around you that God might get all the glory, all right? Simple question for you.
What are you hungering for? Are you hungering to do what honors your God? Or are you hungering to walk according to your feelings? And uh, you might even have found that you've become very adept at twisting it all around in your mind. And you can talk about it like it's God honoring, but really what you're doing is telling stories and getting you aligned with things that will draw attention to you. Be super careful with that, okay? Be super careful with the twist of words that all of a sudden sounds good, but in the end, I'm really just feeding me again. Lord, may this be about you. Whatever has to go, all about you. That's the first step in a holiness plan. Set down the feelings plan and get going after it. Number two, true holiness requires three steps. True holiness requires three steps. Put off, be renewed, put on. Put off, be renewed, put on. That's true holiness. And um, let's dive into this here. It says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Right? So don't forget where we came from. He's like, you didn't learn Christ by running around doing what just felt good. That was not the plan. And uh, he goes right after it. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, heard about him and were taught in him. I'm telling you this, hear me now. True holiness comes by studying the right thing. We are not to be studying, get ready. You might even be shocked by what I'm going to say. We are not to be studying rules We are to be studying Christ himself. Check this out, man. It says that you are being taught about him, or you are being taught in him, and you are learning or hearing about him. Hearing about him, taught in him. The more you become an expert of Jesus Christ, the stronger you're going to get. And here's the unfortunate thing, is church often takes a hard right turn into legalism, and we start becoming experts of rules right? And we even start adding rules to the list. We're like, well, I couldn't find it in the Bible, but it really makes a lot of sense, you know? And so now we're starting to give rules upon rules upon rules. And when you enter into a church, you're really entering into a culture of rules. And you're like, well, what do they say is cool? Well, what can I wear? What can't I wear? What can I say? What can't I say? Is there a speaking out during the service when he's talking or isn't there? Should there be a raising of hands or shouldn't there? And all of a sudden, everything starts to become rule-based. Hear me on this. May we hear what God's word says, and may we learn of Jesus Christ and follow after him with all we've got. And all of God's people said, man, if you are passionate Christ followers, you are going to get it. Okay? And it's not that there aren't suggestions, guidelines, and even rules within Scripture that make life clear, but the rule is not the starting point or the ending point. That is Jesus Christ. The rule is just in the middle somewhere to help explain things out and get a little bit clear. If we don't start with Christ and end with Christ, we do not have worship of our God. We have worship of self. We're trying to clean us up and make us look good before others. And everybody say, that's a bad plan. Dude, that is a bad plan. We aren't going after legalism. We aren't going clean it up on the outside when it's dead on the inside. We're going after a hard worship of our God. May we learn about Christ as we hear about him. And may we be taught in him. Please hear me. 
If there's ever a time in this church where we stop talking about him, where we stop teaching him, leave. Am I clear? Man, I'm telling you and I'm not joking around. This needs to be about Jesus Christ and we need to make much of our Savior. And there will be things attached to it that make clear of our steps. But if we ever lose sight and it just becomes a rule game, get out of the place, man. It's falling apart. Clear enough? One little request before you do that, come talk to me. I might need to hear it. <laughs> All right? But I'm telling you for real, I'm excited for what God's doing here as we make much of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, let's just execute scripture. It's pretty basic. Have you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, he is the way, the, and the life. May we go after Jesus Christ who is the truth, everything true in him, nothing held back. He alone is the truth, not a truth. Or there's more than one, the truth. And we will find the truth in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in him. Now it gives us the steps to do. These were the ways we learned about being in Christ. Here we go. Step one, to put off your old self. To put off your old self. This word literally means, picture yourself wearing these big long coat or trench coat or something and you like unzip and you take off and hang it up. Put off, it literally means disrobe, unclothe yourself, undress, get that filthy thing off of you. That's what it means. Put off, undress, disrobe from your old self. The thing coming off is old self. What is old self? You know, the thing that was passionate about me. The thing that was doing the, if it feels good, do it plan. The thing that was alienated from God, calloused to him, heart of heart, doing whatever I wanted to do about me. Time to be done with the selfishness. Taking it off and setting it aside. It says put off, uh, which belongs to your former manner of life. It belonged to who you were before you knew Christ. Disrobe. Get that thing off. And uh, belong to your former manner of life. Here's another thing about it. It is corrupt through deceitful desires. Did you know that the desires of self are deceitful? That there's a crying out within you that says, come on, it's going to be so worth it. And then after the sin, you're like, that was so not worth it. Like, That's deceitful, man. The whispering within that says, you deserve this. Who cares about, you'll feel better when. And then after the fact, you feel train wrecked. You may even be in tears over it, depending on how bad or how long it's gone on. And be careful, man. The old man screaming out brings forth nothing but deceitful desire. Hear that? The old man screaming out from within us brings nothing but deceitful desire. This is going to be so worth it. No, no, it's really not. Right? And don't listen to that. And be careful with it. Put off, literally disrobe from those desires. Now it says step two. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is in the passive form. Let this happen to you. Be renewed. Who's doing the renewing? Answer? Yeah, Jesus Christ, God himself. The renewing coming in here is from God. There is a huge renewal transformation taking place, and that power is the life-changing power. Hear me, in the scripture, it's super clear. Yes, you're going to be doing some putting off. Let's just jump to the next one, and we'll come back to it. And it says then to put on, put on the new self. There's going to be some clothes and some action going on there that are more aligned with God. But in the middle, notice what it says, be renewed. God doing a work in your mind and in your heart to change your value system and your perspective, to change your wants and your shifts. How does that work? 2 Corinthians 3, as we've talked about it over and over, that his glory is changing you one degree of glory at a time. Being renewed is not a one shot. Being renewed is a process over the course of life. As God is doing a work in you, as he's revealed something in you that needs to go, great, then be working on that with him and watch him do something as you worship him. And as you pour it on with him, he pours his glory onto you and that area starts breaking free. God's doing a change in your mind and in your heart that is something you cannot do. You hear me? Feudal is the old self. Life-changing, God-empowered is new self with God at work in me. May we let God have his way with us. Be renewed. This is the passive form, but it does say that there's some level of you cooperating, you working with your God. How do I do that? And your worship is going to get this on. And we've talked about this with the three E's, encounter, exalt, engage. And if you're the kind of person that opens up the Bible and encounters, and you're looking for those words, those rules, those boundaries, and then you jump over and you engage right away, rule, do it. Rule, do it. You might be able to look at the person next to you and say, I'm doing a little better than them, and seeing a little progress in your action, but here's what you're missing. There was not a renewal in the midst. You're faking it. You're muscling it, we would call it here. Forcing it from rule to action is just straight up muscling. How do we get this thing done? Spending time exalting our God. Taking time to thank him and praise him and worship him. Man, if you have not spent time with your God just saying, you are awesome. I cannot believe this is who you are. This is my God. And then you're opening up to scripture and you're reading stuff off about who he is, what he's done, what he says. This is who you are. And nothing's going to take me off of my worship of you. Man, you start with a little worship like that, it'll get you amped like crazy. Next step. Lord, please forgive me. What have I been doing before you? What needs to go? What sin this week? What bad attitude? What wrong statement? Where have I been misaligned? I'm telling you, this is a journey that is daily, maybe even hourly. If you're on the, I really don't like hearing about my faults, so, so, so I don't do this. And uh, everybody say that's a bad plan. Dude, that is a terrible plan. Your worship is being affected and you don't know it. 
Your worship will be directly affected every time you allow sin to sit in your life and not be addressed and confessed. Your worship is being marred. And uh, man, being filled with the Spirit is about getting it confessed away and letting God have a say in your life. Being renewed, a lot of it is confession of sin and letting Him do a work in you. Start letting God teach you what has to be let go of. And all of God's people said, and being renewed, there is an art to it. Don't say the words and then not let him do the job. May we worship him with all we've got. Encounter, exalt, engage. It has to do with everything to do with being renewed. Notice it says, in the spirit of your minds. And your heart is going to change. Your thinking is going to change. Your valuing is going to change. As you begin to allow yourself to take a look at you and confess away and watch God take over. It's an amazing work he does as you allow him to renew you. Lack of confession is not allowing him to renew. Clear enough? Clear enough? Lack of confession is not allowing him to renew. And all of God's people said, let's make sure we're on that. And uh, Okay. He says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Literally now, to put on means to reach over and grab the clothing and to put on, to robe up, to get dressed, okay? Undress from what feels good, do it. Dress up with, it will be about his glory. It will be about his worship. It will be about my confession. It will be about others focused. It will be about God honoring. I will put on that which is a part of the new self. May he get all the glory. And uh, man, I'm telling you, this is a huge journey. And if you're like, I don't know, man. I feel like I am devastated in sin right now. Um, join the club, Okay. It's where we all sit in this broken world. And uh, 1 John 1 is pretty clear. If we say we're without sin, that we're lying. And uh, we have work to do, that's true. He knows that. This is not rocket science to him. He's got it covered. For us, it is rocket science. We can't change it. I'm stuck in this. And, but he can make a change in your heart. Only he can do it. Man, please hear me. We have sin and we have stuff to struggle with. And if in this week you're like, I don't really have a list of anything I've struggled with, talk to your family members. <laughs> we have stuff to work on, man. That's just the facts. What is it that you need to be working on that God might get the glory? Each and every one of us has stuff to work on. This is not the, I'm clean. Then somebody somewhere has to say, I'm the one that's not. It's not that. We all are in need of continuing renewal by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Man, confess along the way. Get excited about life change. The goal is, I mean, honestly, every day, as you get up and you're taking off whatever clothes you've got on and putting on whatever new clothes for the day, consider this. As you're taking them off, Lord, may this be the old self going off too. And as the new is coming on, show me what it needs to look like. I want to worship you with all I've got. And just let it be a daily, all day long conversation with your God as you exalt him 
and confess when something goes sideways. And if you've hurt someone, get on it, get on it as fast as you can and get things clean. Make sure you've constantly got things worked on. And um, you're not alone in that. And uh, you should come join our family for a week. And uh, as we clean things up at 845 on a Sunday morning coming in here because I got out of the van and walked ahead of my wife and hurt her feelings because I left her standing there trying to deal with something in business and forgot about. And uh, get that stuff clean, man, even in front of 1,400 people. It's really fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm just telling you, we always have things to work on. And all of God's people said, let's work on it together, all right? Uh, I was looking for a great illustration this week, and I ran into this. Jesus Christ talking with Lazarus after the fact. Now, remember the Lazarus story. This is his dear friend, right? This is someone who had gotten sick. He ended up dying. Lazarus was in the tomb four days. Jesus shows up late, all with a plan, but Jesus shows up four days late, and as he says, open the tomb, they're like, but Lord, the body's been decaying for four days. It's going to be horrible, and he's like, open the tomb, and so they open kind of begrudgingly. And then Jesus Christ says these words to his friend who has passed away and been gone for four days. Lazarus, come forth. And in that moment, the body that was decaying is immediately perfectly brought back to healed. In that moment, his soul is brought back into body. We don't even understand that. Soul brought back to body. In that moment, he sits up. And he hears the words of Christ saying, come forth. And as he walks out alive, the first words Christ says is, get those clothes off of him and give him something to eat. Put off, put on. And I'm telling you, it only works in the midst of a miracle. Man, I'm telling you, the call we are given is a call to let God call you to life like Lazarus, to be able to walk out once dead, now alive, and he's simply saying, get those grave clothes off, man. That, re that reflects on where you've been. It is time to reflect on where you're going. May we get, amen, amen. Man, I'm telling you, may we get ready to live a thank you offering. He has done an amazing work as he started life and continues to renew Christ in your life. Put off the old, put on the new. Thank you the whole time. And uh, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. And uh, yep, he knows it. And so do a lot of friends and family, right? <laughs> and uh, we're going to work this out together, man. May we see progress together, holiness for him and his glory. It's his work changing me. Lord, may you be honored. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Huge on the holiness piece, huge. And a simple question, have you been raised? Have you been given new life in Christ? Have you trusted in him and believed in him and confessed him as Lord? Then man, take off that old self and put on the new.
May your God get all the glory, all right? And number three, go after complete holiness. Let Christ be your model and the Spirit be your power. Go after complete holiness. Let Christ be your model and the Spirit be your power. He starts out verse 25. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, What's the therefore? Therefore, right? This is a connecting word. And because we've been given this life and this hope and because there is change in us and because we're going to put off and put on and what does that specifically mean? Here's some specific examples. Having put away falsehood, right? Put off the lying. Put on. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Put off the half-truth, quarter-truth, No truth. Put off the, I said the truth, but I left something out so that they wouldn't think the other thing. And put off the lying and the the shaping of things so that you can get people to move a certain way. Stop manipulating. Let it be what it is and watch God work. Okay? Put off the lying. Put on speaking the truth. Now, remember, we talked about it last week, the truth in love. Passion for Christ glorified, passion for them cared for, watching the timing and the content as it comes out, truth in love. Those two always come together. Truth alone, and that's abusive, right? Love without truth, well, that's enablement. And so, yes, speaking the truth, make sure we follow forward is what we saw last week in love. And speak the truth with his neighbor, literally with those right near you. That's the literal there. Like it's the ones around you. Make sure you're speaking the truth. He's speaking to the church now, and he's saying to the ones around you, for we are members one of another. This gets back to unity. May we be real and honest and passionate with each other, caring for each other. Be truthful. And know this. Deceit is a tool of the devil. Do not use the tool of the devil to do the work of God. Do not use the tool of the devil to do the work of God. Make sure we walk through things very honestly, all right? And uh, we are members one of another. We are in this body together. And uh, another one, be angry and do not sin. Put off the selfish, sinful human anger, right? The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Put that off. Put on righteous indignation, if you want to say it that way, anger that is honoring to God. Is that even possible? And... uh, Be careful with this one. If you're giving yourself license for temper tantrum, you've gone the wrong direction, okay? And uh, be angry and do not sin speaks a lot to self-control in the midst of passion for Christ to be glorified. If the thing you're most angry about is that you got wronged, you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Be careful. Calm it down, okay? And uh, if this thing is all about Christ and what's good for him, Our goal is not to maliciously hurt another, but to make sure Christ is glorified in it. You're near the right tree. I'm always going to say be a little careful because it is super easy for us as human beings to be right and four milliseconds later be completely wrong. And all of God's people said, be super cautious with your anger. If you're into temper tantrum mode, you're out. If you're into defending self, you're out. Make sure this is about Christ and his glory, okay? 
He also gives us another little recipe for it. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Get it resolved quickly. Being ticked off at someone for four and a half months and they never even knew it is not a God-honoring plan, right? Get this thing resolved. And it says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm not taking this literally as a, you have less than uh, X number of minutes or hours. Get it done because the sun's setting at 7.52 p.m. tonight. Like, it's probably a little less about that and a little more about do not let this go day upon day upon day, right? And uh, you think about it, if, if it happened at 7.51, you've got one minute to get it resolved, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't let this last a long time and hurt you. And uh, if he was saying that, then as I've said before, we'd be really smart to all move to Norway because the sun never sets there about six months out of the year and we'd have a lot more time to work on things. We're taking it literally, man, and that's a bad plan, right? And we're going to take this thing as deal with it within a short period of time. You want to put a number on it? Man, target something in the 24 hours or less. I'm going to try to have this thing resolved and moved on. Get this thing put to rest. Good conversation. Hearing what's happening with them. Can I just say, please, don't start with let me tell you why I'm mad at you. Uh, hearing their explanation of what went on and getting what's happening good idea in helping resolve stuff. You might even find you completely misunderstood what happened. Be careful. Listen well and then share well, okay? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil, it says. Did you know that? If you're harboring anger and bitterness, if you're refusing to forgive, if you won't let go of something and selfishness is the goal, just so you know, you have now given what is called a foothold or an opportunity to Satan. Picture a rock climber on the edge of a rock holding on, and you're like, hey, want to hang here? And uh, everybody say, that's a bad plan. Let's not give Satan places to hang on with us. Get it cleaned up. And selfishness can tear you apart. And anger can be that thing where we think we're justifying it, but in fact, we're just allowing selfishness to rant and rave inside. Be careful, all right? Uh, here's another one. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Put off stealing, put on working. In fact, he even says right after it, doing honest work with his own hands. And uh, man, if you have a job for an employer and you're working 32 hours and getting paid 40 that's stealing. And uh, be careful. In a lot of ways, we look at these and dismiss them, but in fact, we're taking what isn't rightly ours. And make sure you're working an honest day's wage. Notice it says, with your own hands. And don't be the guy that gets someone else to do your job, but you get paid for it. Right? Don't be that guy. And uh, some of you are like, well, I'm a manager. I get paid to be that guy. <laughs> and uh, remember, your job is managing those people Manage that well. Put your hours in on managing. Work hard, right? And uh, man, I'm telling you, whatever job God's called you to, lay it out for him. Work honestly. Work hard. And uh, don't take what isn't rightly yours. And uh, no stealing. I think it's fairly obvious to say don't take a possession that doesn't belong to you, right? That's why I went to the work thing. Sometimes we don't even know we're really stealing, but we are. And... Um, Notice it says, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, 
so that he may have a lot of stuff and store it up and retire well. It doesn't say that. It says so he might share with those in need. And uh, part of our hard work is to be able to look around and see those that might need to be cared for in this world. It is a broken world. God, how can we come alongside? And uh, we have to be careful and wise as we come alongside. It's not blind to what's going on. We don't want to enable problems, but we certainly want to help people out. And uh, this working hard gives us a chance to care huge that God might get all the glory and, uh, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up. No corrupting talk. Put off that which tears down. Put on that which builds up. Are you someone who has the art of pointing out where somebody's wrong all the time? You walk in the room and the first thing you're going to say is a jab joke about what they've done wrong. Be careful. I'm not going to say that there isn't a sense of humor that can maybe come around it. I'm not going to go that far, but I will say if everything is about the humor of teardown, you're probably tearing too far for sure. All right? Watch your jokes and watch your words and be careful what you say. There's a power in being able to build up and encourage. There really is. And a building up, notice it says, as fits the occasion in the ESV. What it literally says in the original is where there's a need. So building up where there's need. In other words, you're always looking for the current need and making sure you pour in there. Be careful. Sometimes we even come in and we start trying to tell people what to do or help or encourage. And in fact, they're doing great. And there's something maybe even running amok in us where we're thinking we want them to like us for appreciating them. And be careful what you do. And I'll just say, mercy hearts, be careful here. The encouragement is a gift and a passionate power that you can use so well. Make sure you use it with the right spot in the right place as fits the occasion. All right? Be real careful with that. Make it make sense. We can talk a lot more about it on the side if you want to walk through it. But uh, make sure you're thinking through your words and your helps. And am I actually building up or am I building a dependence upon me and not God? We have to work that through. There's a tough balance there. And we want both to happen. Us coming alongside them depending on their God, not just someone else. All right? And it says that it may give grace to those who hear. Our words can actually build up and be a grace shared from God himself. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. And I just wrote this word down uh, for grieve. It's a passionate statement of his hurt, his upsetness. When we're grieving the Holy Spirit, we are causing an upsetness to him. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit literally can be upset by what we choose to partake in because it's not what he's about. And uh, grieve. The Holy Spirit, it says, put that off. Instead, there's going to be a put-on call right after it here. He gives a little definition after it. Who is the Holy Spirit? The one you were sealed for the day of redemption by. Sealed for the day of redemption. Please hear this. Our salvation is sealed. Man, that means eternally secure. If we change these words to mean, well, it can be broken, but that really isn't much of a seal and it wasn't worth saying sealed for the day of redemption. When we are saved, we are saved and guaranteed saved until salvation is finally redeemed, eternity with him. 
Salvation is secure, sealed in him. Why? Because it's his work doing it, and it's his promise saying it, so it's him completing it. We're excited about what God's doing in it. Make sure you understand this. Your God has it all at hand, and he's taking it fully into his hands, eternally secure. And, uh, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit who's doing that for us. How do we grieve him? It says all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander They all need to be put away with all malice. And I just wrote these words down, bitterness. It's refusing to release it to your God. Bitterness is trusting it to God, is not trusting it to God, sorry. Releasing it to him is when it goes away. Wrath, that's that explosive temper. Anger, it's self-centered feelings. Clamor, crying out against God, claiming it's unfair. Slander, saying untrue words about somebody. Malice, wanting to hurt them. And let's put these things away. They tear down unity, they tear down God, and they certainly don't build up in this body. And uh, we need to be very cautious of our bitterness. Please hear me, we need to be very cautious of our bitterness. Bitterness goes when your vertical worship starts. When you grasp who Christ is and what he's doing for you, you move from bitterness to the word forgiving. And we're gonna see that word now come up. Look what he says, put off all those things, put on, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, kind and tenderhearted, like you care about what's going on with them, and then forgiving one another, literally living in a grace-based way, being able to release them from hurting you, the debt they owe, why? Because Christ released you. Notice what it says right after it, even as God in Christ forgave you. Man, please hear me. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you have been forgiven of everything. You have been given life eternal. He has taken you from death to life, and your rebellion against him is released. Whatever the person who hurt you said, please be ready to release them. Forgiving, it's living in that grace-based way where you recognize what Christ has done for you. And then finally, forgiven comes when the two of you talk it out horizontally. Forgiving, that happens with worship vertically. Forgiven, that happens when the two of you have talked horizontally and gotten it resolved. Put off and put on. There's a lot of words in there. And we all have a lot to lay aside. Here's my request. Please do not go at this with the goal of being a perfectionist Know this, there is one perfect, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is our perfectionist, and he nails it every time. He's got it nailed, absolutely perfect. Our job, hand it to him, let him do a work. As we take off that which feels good only, and we put on that which honors him and those around us. Holiness. Be renewed. Can I say it more times? Be renewed renewed. The work is him in you. Spend time exalting your God and this holiness thing will start rocking in your life. That's what it looks like to hear the call to holiness. And all of God's people said, let's pray.